Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned. Until now. Quantum Leap was an experimental time travel program, years away from being tested. Your name is Dr. Ben Song. You're a time traveler leaping from life to life, trying to put right what once went wrong. Ben's working with someone. Al Calavici's daughter, Janice. She may be our best chance at understanding what's going on. Richard Martinez is another leaper from the future, traveling through time just like Ben. Martinez, he was on the Montana. We know. We are working on a way to track him. I isolated the anomalies from both times that we encountered Leaper X. Will this alert us the next time Leaper X and Ben cross paths? Oh, it will now. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 134, Ben Interrupted. Normal reflexes, normal dilation. Hmm... We will confirm with blood work, but it appears that your husband is at least physically healthy, Mrs. O'Connor. It's not his body I'm worried about. My husband is clearly not in his right mind. Right mind? Of course I'm in my right mind. Why would I be of wrong mind? Okay, I think I should probably go, right? Liam, I, uh, Liam, you need help. They're going to make you feel better here. We'll know more after further testing, but it's clear that he has short-term memory loss. And I would like to begin treatments immediately. Immediately? That seems... Hasty, what about a second opinion, or perhaps we sleep on it, right? Okay, I think Can I should probably... Can we have a moment alone? Of course, yes. Why don't I give you the room? Nice work. You really sold that memory loss. Thanks, it was a bit of a stretch, but, uh... When you find my sister, give her a message. Tell her I would have gone in myself if I thought I could get us both out in one piece. But you think I can? For what you're charging? You better. This place is a nightmare. <sighs> yeah. And I'm living it, so... Let's just do whatever I'm supposed to do and get me out of here. I already know I'm someone named Liam O'Connor. A private eye out of Boston. Looks like he was hired by Elaine Sullivan to break her sister Judith out of George's Island Asylum. This looks like it was Liam's last job. Judith never left the asylum. And neither did he. Terrific. Oh, no. What? This is bad. Quantum anomaly? Is that what I think it is? Not what. Who? What is Martinez doing there? Uh, I don't know. The tracker only tells me when he leaves, not how or why. But, 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 but I did find something very, very interesting. Evil leapers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently Sam Beckett had run-ins with other leapers. The path Ben is on, he has three chances to stop Martinez. Salvation, the battleship. And now, Ben has to sabotage the leap. Okay, hang on. If he sabotages the leap, what happens to Ben? He's stranded in 1954. Forever. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we are discussing Season 1, Episode 16, Ben Interrupted. And we are doing so... With our very special guest, Mr. Damon Sugamelli. Damon, welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Matt, for having me on. I, uh, pretty cool. <laughs> Great to have you here. Yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's cool for us, too. So this is yet another Matt Dale get. Uh, Matt got us Jan <laughs> last week, and now he got us Damon as guest host this week. So, um, Damon, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you know Matt and a little bit of background in your Quantum Leap fandom? You know, uh, uh, you dig in the new show. Were you a fan of the old show? Spill. Give us the give us the dish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I got into the show, the old show pretty much when I was in high school and uh, we, Matt did the, uh, he helped me out with the uh, video that I did for uh, Leap, Die, Repeat, which was, uh, it was like my little experiment that I did there with uh, trying to <laughs> loop all the the uh, reviews together. And I'm, I'm digging the new show. I, I like it. I mean, not, maybe not quite as much as the original show because I mean, how can you really beat the original show? But yeah, uh, and I've just I've been in this fandom for over 20 years, I think. It's like it's been a long time. I've been there since almost the beginning, uh, like season two uh, repeats. And then I pretty much caught it every single week. Never missed an episode. You say offhandedly that I helped you out with a, a video. I mean, you've been doing some fantastic review videos on YouTube. Oh, I, well, I, I you. guessed it on one of them, but you've yeah, you've you've been doing some great work this year. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, you had mentioned earlier when uh, when I had uh, approached you on the the chat for this thread that maybe we had spoken before on the Al's Place message board. So yes. that shows you how far back you go, man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I barely knew about the message boards. I only started looking at them when I sort of got to know the the podcast a bit. And I think I was honestly like ego surfing, looking for reviews mm-hmm. of my own book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there seemed to Is be just little, but yeah, well, I guess, I guess so. But uh, I remember seeing one person who commented quite a bit. His, his handle was Lightning McQueenie. I wonder mm-hmm. who that was. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so Damon, welcome, welcome to the show. You and Matt uh, are are collaborating now. So what is is that a YouTube channel that you have or? Yes, it was at Damon Sugamelli one seven six, and uh, I I started off doing really just uh, trying to trying to do like what everybody else was doing, reaction videos to like movie trailers and things. But I didn't do it very often. But uh, when the new series came up, I thought that would be something I could try to you know, contribute something to the fandom. And uh, it's been a little exhausting, but uh, I, I like it. It's, <laughs> it gives me something to do. <laughs> so hey, if, yeah. if a hobby's not exhausting, yeah. you're not doing it properly. That's what I say. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. pretty much the definition of fandom? It gives yeah. us something yeah, to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's great to have you on the show, Damon. Thanks so much for uh, guest hosting yeah, with us today. It's a good episode to guest host on. Yeah. And, um, another good thing about this episode of the podcast is that we will also be bringing you an interview with Paul McCartney Boyington, who plays Lawrence in this episode. Mean, mean Lawrence. He's the, he's the, the bad guy. He's the big bad. So, Matt, you spoke to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke to him actually before I'd seen the episode, which was uh, a, a slightly unusual experience. He he <laughs> he was very helpful. But yeah, he he was just such a nice guy. You'll you'll hear it in the interview later. He he was such a nice guy and so um so chilled out. And then I saw him in the episode and was like, wow, that's that's some performance. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I can't wait to hear it. I haven't heard it myself. So um, we're going to be playing that for you later in the show. So everybody stay tuned for that. But wow, we got a lot to unpack before we get there because, uh, man, this was an action-packed episode of Quantum Leap, mm-hmm. was it not, gentlemen? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Why don't we start with some uh, first impressions? Damon, uh, since you are the guest host, we will ask you to go first. First impressions of Ben Interrupted. Uh, yeah. Uh, where to begin with this? I, 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 I was off. I felt like I was off the edge of my seat, even though I was like still in my seat. I was just like, it was so, <laughs> like you said, intense. I, I, I was kind of a little shocked at where some of the places they went with this episode. It was a bit dark. Uh, mm. and I liked it a lot. It was, it was, as you said, we had a lot to unpack in this and, um, I really enjoyed it a lot. It was kind of what I've wanted to see from a new iteration of quantum leap. And, uh, I think we got it in spades. <laughs> awesome. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I, I love this one from start to finish. It's definitely, it's an episode of two halves. It, it kind of feels like it's finishing after the first 30 minutes and then the last 15 minutes just go somewhere completely new and unexpected. I also, I was really impressed that it this felt like some of the, the original series season openers and season closers where the actual point of the leap isn't necessarily that big a deal and actually it's much more about the bigger picture. And in this case, this is huge arc stuff. So, uh, which which I loved. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, really. I'll agree with both of you. This is a very satisfying culmination, or at least heading towards a culmination of a lot of stuff that has been left dangling throughout the season and a lot of the stuff that we've wanted more of. Mm. And it's just wrapped up in this classic feeling leap. And then on top of all of that, on top of the the classic feeling, on top of the action and the mystery box adventure and sort of getting more on Leaper X, then you have this great Ben and Addison aspect to the episode yeah. as well that is just terrific. So, I mean, this is just a terrific episode from top to bottom. And like you said, Matt, you felt like it was one episode when it started, then halfway through it became another episode. And I thought like as we came on break after break, so much was happening Mm. that I thought, oh, surely this is where the cliffhanger is. Surely this is where they're going to end it. And it was like, oh, no, wait a minute. Another scene is after this break. Home, we're, we're not done yet. And yeah. it just, it was so packed. It just felt like, it felt like a double episode. And in a good way. Not, you know, it was because it was just like I was on the edge of my seat for most of it because it just got to be so, so twisty and turny and loopy and out there and all packed in, in sort of like this beautiful box that we love to think of as shock theater. (laughs) (laughs) But packed without cutting corners and sometimes like Ben Song for the Defense was so rushed. We know that some, that was a fantastic episode, but sometimes it it was cutting corners just to get the job done because there was so much in it. This was packed, but I I didn't notice any, any gaps or leaps of logic or anything like that. It just, it it was very tidy. I think it was tidy, but I think we're going to have to dig a lot deeper into the whole Martinez-Ben thing because I don't know that I'm confused, but I have a lot of questions and I'd like to parse that a little bit because unfortunately I've only gotten to see this episode once before we got on mic. Mm -hmm. And um, 
there it just seemed very twisty turny and it's like i would have benefited i think from a second viewing just to get some of this stuff straight in my head so i'm going to lean on you guys a little bit for um <laughs> those elements of the story as in as much as you're able to support me <laughs> from the chuckles i'm thinking maybe we're all in the same yeah, boat. <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately i only got to see it once too but um i i remember a lot of it so <laughs> like the most important stuff i was chuckling because i i watched it four times and the, the fourth time was um <laughs> The fourth time was with my partner earlier today, and she made me pause it halfway through and saying, like, "I don't understand this. Explain this to me." And I explained <laughs> as much as I could, but then it got to the point where I was like, "Some of this is not going to be explained until the season finale. There, there is some stuff you don't understand because, legitimately, the writers don't expect you to understand it. It's it's still oh, okay. the story is still yeah. ongoing, so I, I don't think you missed anything. There's just obviously there's still there's still questions we don't know." We don't know what is going to lead Martinez to feel like he needs to kill Addison, and that that's kind of a that was kind of a revelation. Like we knew Addison's life was in danger. We knew Martinez was the antagonist. We didn't know specifically that he was going to kill her until Janice dropped that bombshell, but we still don't know why. Yeah, yeah. So one of the aspects I did like most about this was that it gave Ben um, much more agency than I was expecting because when we saw him leap into the institution, I thought it was going to be like shock theater where he was there against his will and basically powerless in the face of whatever evil he has to face, right? Because that was shock theater. I think that the fact that he was a private eye tasked with going undercover there to find and rescue um, one of the inmates was to me a stroke of, of genius because it's like they're taking this thing that we know and that we love from the original series, but putting a much different spin on it and then using that as a springboard, not only for um, a lot of Ben and Addison stuff, but to advance so many things that are unique to both this iteration of Quantum Leap to, to the revival series and linking back to a lot more stuff from the original series, not just shock theater, but um, certain other leapers that shall remain evil. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like we're all over the place here here ourselves, but if we can, can we sort of delve into um, what everybody's talking about here? I mean, the Janus, the mystery box, the Martinez. So I'm going to lay it out for you the way, the way that I see it. I knew from way back, like maybe four or five episodes ago, the last time we saw Janice significantly, she said, there's an order, dot, dot, dot. Mm. And then she stopped. Right. And she didn't want to say anymore. And we finally got that order. There's an order to Ben's leaps. Now, from what they've been able to determine based on what they said on the show, Ben has to leap. They never broke down why he had to leap where he did the way he did. The only thing that they said was there's an order. And in that order, there are three times where he can meet and possibly stop Martinez. And this is the last time. This is his last chance. And if he doesn't stop Martinez here, then Martinez will go on to kill Addison. Do I do I have that? Yeah, although the the bit that they didn't, and this was the part that confused my partner as well, the bit that I don't think they touched on really in this episode and could maybe have done with a reminder of is going way back to episode two or three, the order is all to do with getting up enough velocity to be able to get into the future. Right. So there's kind of two different things going on. There's Ben has chosen the locate that or the dates so that he can get into the future. And in doing so, he's going to overlap with Martinez's route three times. But they, okay. I think a, a right. reminder would have been helpful because it, it is kind of two different things. It's like, well, why, why hasn't he just been following Martinez 
for every single one. Yeah, I think that's like kind of the impression I got too, is that it's almost two objectives there, like to follow him and then if that doesn't work, to go into the future, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought maybe they were purposely leaving that out because for all we know, that's just Ian's conjecture. So um, they could right. be wrong about that. I, I don't think that the writers would set that up just specifically to make it go away. So odds are we will see Ben leaping into the future on the season finale. Anyway, that that I would I would put money on that, mm. I think. But yeah, it's it's still a little bit sloppy to me. And the fact that we have Janice now speaking openly to magic about all of this kind of breaks her own rules because what what did she tell Addison or I don't know who she said, maybe to Jen, no matter who I tell here, no matter what I say, it will go uptime somehow and somebody mm -hmm. will know about it and then we'll be compromised. And now she's just blabbing it all to magic out, out in the front lawn. So it's like, or Beth's front lawn. Um, good to see Susan back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess she's keeping Janice away from the, uh, the tea and, uh, oh. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe they have a, a project quantum leap taste tester there, uh, just uh. to make sure that uh, we don't have any more shenanigans. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Janice was so insistent on getting magics or somebody's attention that she purposely fiddled with her house arrest bracelet. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what, I mean, aside from, okay, it's it's three episodes to the end. Like, what's her motivation for suddenly amping everything up? I, I think, isn't that exactly it, though? She knows that he must be coming to the end of this order. With, with the way things are going, he must be getting towards 1954. So she's like, okay, I, I need to start getting more involved. And then she finds out he's in 1954. Shit. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, what yeah. I what I got from this is that I, I feel that maybe they knew that he's already made those leaps, so that's why they said there's a specific order. We know that, like maybe history from the future, they already know that these these leaps were made by Martinez. So now this is them trying to change the outcome of those mm -hmm. leaps to prevent him from what will happen next. That's kind of what I'm getting from that. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does fourth dimensionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, uh, right. they, yeah. they've they've been feeding her these these leap reports. Apparently, they're filing the leap reports with her. So she's she knows what all the leaps are meant to be. She knows this order, and she's been getting the leap reports, albeit late. So, uh, yeah, I I have no issue with Janice being the agent of the writers saying we're we're building up to the climax here. Let's push things up a notch because she's as conscious of that as the writing staff are. Yeah, I, what what I would say is is I, I I feel like they are throwing a lot on us right at the end, and they could have maybe mm -hmm. built this up a little more, uh, spread it out a bit over the course of the season. That would be my criticism about the way they've handled this. See, now I I think that the reason why we didn't get that is because I think they also wanted to settle into some more traditional types of leaps mm. to show True. more casual viewers. And I don't know that there aren't any casual viewers at this at this stage, but <laughs> this, hey, this remember this show, or maybe you don't, but this is really what this show is about. This is sort of at the core of what Quantum Leap is, this do-getter helping people out yeah. and putting right what once went wrong. And if every week is having, you know, a second leaper come in and try to undo that and then some more intrigue with other people People back at the project that are working cross purposes with them. I think you might have lost the central sort of flavor 
of what Quantum Leap actually is. Oh, yeah, they, that's fair. So yeah. I think they were kind of wise to sort of pepper this in in either small doses or big batches, but not consistently throughout. As much as we've been complaining throughout the season saying, what's going on with this mystery box? I still think that them throttling back on it gave them a chance to really establish what Quantum Leap is to new viewers. Mm. So that's, you know, if, yeah. if I was going to give them props for the way they handled this season, that would be one of the props that I gave them. I mean, I do have some issues with the way some of this stuff was handled, with the way some of this stuff was doled out or not doled out. But here we are with with an episode like this, (laughs) and all is forgiven. (laughs) I mean, anyway, that's how I feel. It just, I think that what I really am intrigued as like, can we get Martinez's point of view on this? So, let me see if, if you guys, this is sort of where I wanted you to help me now. Now, I sort of get Ben's thing. I get what Janice was saying, but Martinez is coming at it from a completely different direction. Like in Salvation of Bust, he tells Ben to stop following him, but he doesn't stop him. In um, SOS, he's actually working with Ben to achieve the same goals. And now in this one, he works with Ben to help uh, him rescue Judith from the clutches of the nefarious Dr. Mueller. (laughs) So it doesn't seem to me that Martinez is working at cross purposes necessarily with Ben if he's helping put right what once went wrong. Like what's what's his whole deal? Do you guys have any theories on this? Um, Because I'm really confused about that. Well, it's hard because the little that we've seen of him has been like, like, like 30 seconds, like one episode and 30 seconds at the end of the last one. So it was like, now we're getting, this is like the first real appearance we've gotten from him. That was kind of where I'm going with this is like, maybe just give us a little bit more throughout the season to give us an idea. I mean, in terms of the leaps, because he was in uh, What a Disaster, but uh, that was really where we got that first inkling of who he was. And But that's before he started leaping. So every time Ben encounters him, it hasn't, like Ben hasn't even encountered him for like a minute. That's kind of, think where a little of the confusion is coming from on my end also but everything we know about martinez is that it adds up to him being quote unquote a good guy he he is a soldier trying to achieve something positive we we saw that when we saw the younger version of him at his mum's house he was a nice nice young guy yeah um very clearly wanting to follow orders very eager yeah (laughs) yeah and Possibly in Salvation and definitely in the other two leaps, he was there to put right what once went wrong. His methods may be a little bit more brutal, like he almost killed that nurse at one point, mm-hmm. but effectively he's there for the same aims. And I feel like that's that's what this is building up to with Addison. He's going to kill Addison for the greater good, not because he's evil and he he hates her and he, maybe he he's in love with Ben and uh, is in a jealous rage. He just um, <laughs> he he has been ordered to kill Addison because of something that Addison is going to end up doing. And uh, yeah, it's it, it is it is just different sides of the same coin. This is not an evil leaper thing. This is a genuinely trying to put right what once went wrong in a in a slightly more <laughs> militaristic, cold way. Well, but he turns it around on Ben, too, because he says something to the effect of, um, this is the last chance that I have to stop you. And out comes the scalpel <laughs> yeah. into Ben's neck. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a little evil. 
Yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, but he he knows that Ben is going to try and stop him from achieving his aim. So from his point of view, Ben is there to enable the the bad future that Martinez is trying to avoid. So he's he's got to get rid of Ben somehow. Just the same way he's got to get rid of Addison. Yet still he's a good guy. I, I I'm still He's he's a soldier. Yeah, I, Soldiers I, kill people. I'm just, it's for the greater I'm, good. I, I'm just We just don't know yeah, what that greater good is. Exactly. That's we we were saying this about Janice in the first half of the series. Oh, she's the bad guy. And she she wasn't. She was just she was helping out in a different way. All of this remains to be seen. And once they unpack it and show from Martinez's point of view, I hope it makes more sense. Mm. Uh, I don't know that I'll ever be on Martinez's side. Uh, <laughs> no. I might be able to understand where he's coming from. But I just, I, it, no. it just. Mm. It, it comes back to that conversation that Janice and Magic were having at the end where Janice was saying something like, you know, you, you can't expect, you, you're going to expect to have a war without any casualties and Magic's all like, yeah, we're damn well going to try. And Martinez <laughs> obviously just is not that kind of person. He just accepts there are casualties in war. And uh, as viewers, we're trained not to like that. We want to like the, the, the Magic type of hero that is trying to save everyone. So... We're not going to like Martinez and his motivations, but I think what's underlying behind his motivations is going to be a desire for good. It's just the way he's going about it makes him the bad guy. I, I get that, and I'm willing to you know live with that. Like I, I can see that. But at the same time, I think one of the strongest parts of the episode was when Magic told Janice... I promised your father that we wouldn't lose another Leaper. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you're asking us to just abandon Ben and lose a Leaper. Is that, that's not what your father's legacy is about. That's not what this project is about. So again, they're making it almost like this is the fundamental quantum leap goodness that you all at home are rooting for. <laughs> and Martinez is working against that. So even yes. if Martinez has like a legitimate aim, it's still at cross purposes with everything that the fans know and love about Quantum 100%. Leap. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry, yeah. invoking the name of Al right. as as a defense <laughs> is just like, I, I, that's that's unassailable, I think, yeah. to, to if yeah. you're going to be in fandom circles. Well, of course, we're going to be on Al's side. It's Al, right. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I am just uh, the fact that um, you know they gave us so much this week. I'm just, my head is still spinning a little bit. I can't wait wait to watch this one four times like you, Matt. I'm a little jealous. But uh, now it gets better was... each time. <laughs> <laughs> there was a glaring absence this week, and I can't help but be a little suspicious about it because <laughs> Jen has a cough. <laughs> I sent her home. Where? Where in the world is Jen Cho? <laughs> uh, well, I had, I had uh, apparently Dean Jarjara said had said that uh, she had gotten COVID like around the time they were shooting fifteen, and like there were some scenes there where there there was a stand-in, and uh, that's why she wasn't available for sixteen. Uh, okay. But the fact that she wasn't in it at, at the beginning, and knowing all the things we knew with the synopsis with the mole. And all this stuff, and I was like, "Oh no!" I was like, "It was." I was like, "I hope that's not where they're going with this," because it was a theory of mine. I'm glad that didn't pan out, but that made me suspicious too that she wasn't in the episode where we know that they were going to reveal there was a mole. As much as I would never wish COVID on anyone, actually, it sounds like for for the plot that added in an, a sort of an extra yeah. uh, red herring. Ah, I well, didn't think about that. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm thinking, where where is Jen leapt to? 
Like Jen is now leaping in my in my mind. Like <laughs> she's leaping to make an end run around, around Martinez to be there. Oh. You know, she'll be like uh, <laughs> she'll be like Han Solo at the end of uh, Star Wars. You know, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> coming on in and uh, <laughs> you know, Martinez be like, I have you now. But uh, and here comes Jen to the rescue. We we spent the the last few weeks wondering where Janice is. Now Janice is back and Jen's gone. It's just the 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 sexual chemistry between those two characters. They can't have them in an episode together. That's that's all it comes down to. I mean, for you, apparently, yeah. Well, I listen. Jen was crushing on Janice hard in the first half of the series. All right, I, maybe that'll go some. Maybe that's it. Season two. Hmm. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Janice becomes a regular character in season two. I mean, that's yet to be seen, but it it would fit mm. if all of this stuff gets resolved and she's still around. Mm. I mean, it would only stand to reason that she would have a place there because there's no more mystery. There's no more. Um, she's not a threat anymore. Yeah, she can be right. an asset. So mm-hmm. I would love to see more of her back at the project. But where? So Damon, you said that, that did you reach out to Dean and ask him about it? Where did you see the fact that that um, Nanarissa was actually sick? He was on um, the Faith Why Wheel podcast, and they were where they were talking last night in the because uh, they did their own interview. Um, yeah, and we were in that uh, the watch party, and that um, and he he said that that. Uh, that's that's kind of why he was. I see. Yeah, so yeah. It was a Sam. It was a Sam and Dennis exclusive. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> thank you, Sam. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Fates Wide Wheel. Um, I still think that Dean is going deep state here, and this is like a cover up. Oh, she's not in it because Nanris is actually sick. Yeah. <laughs> His fingers are crossed. I I still think that Jen is going to somehow play in a, a vital role in the end, and if she's not leaping. I'd be very surprised. Now, I know there are very many logistical problems to that. Like, if she is leaping, then where, you know, where is she? How is it that Ian doesn't know about it? How are they keeping something like that quiet? Mm-hmm. Because it's the same accelerator chamber. Mm-hmm. I could see Janice reaching her through her, you know, her DIY imaging chamber, maybe. <laughs> I mean, they, they did call back to that. They alluded to that in this episode. You say it's the same accelerator chamber. Maybe she's disappeared off to New Mexico. Ooh. Oh, don't tease me, man. We're gonna see we're gonna see Jen leap in with the original effect. <laughs> That'd be cool. That yeah. would be cool. And the thing is you won't know it's Jen then. And then yeah. Ben will touch whoever Jen has leapt into and the morphing effect will happen. <laughs> we'll we'll drop down to video quality and it'll be a right. bad <laughs> bad computer morph. It'll be like a bad Michael Jackson video. <laughs> wow. I mean, could you imagine? Could you just imagine <laughs> that she leaps in? Oh, could you imagine? That would be amazing. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to happen. It's, it's but, not going to happen. Uh, yeah, I'd love it, it if it did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially since we did get a very specific callback on this one. They yeah. invoked the yeah. evil leapers. I So yeah. again, are they just playing with us? What 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 is going on? I did not expect to ever see no. the actual evil leapers callback on the show. I was like, what? <laughs> And actually referring to them as evil leapers, which we all know is such a dumb name, but it's just, it's 30 years of fandom. We we accept it from the outside. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> what? And if, if Rick Oki is listening, we're sorry. We don't mean to call it dumb. I, I, I'm a huge fan of the evil leapers. I'm just saying. I know. But... Mm-hmm. And it was like something was red acted too, right? Like something in the file. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so, I, yeah. I've never been more excited by just seeing two letters. I mean, I, I, I thought, okay, if they, they're going to mention the evil leapers, that's fine. But it actually says, like, if you watch it on freeze frame, Zoe and her hologram, t, t, and then it goes oh, off the wow. screen. Oh. I yeah. missed the t. I, I, I saw the Zoe. Yeah. And, but there was no, I didn't see any reference to Aaliyah. No, so. no reference to Aaliyah, but we almost got Thames in there, which is just I mean, wow. such a deep cut. I, that, that's crazy. That's fan service for you. Yeah, that is that is proper fan service. And there's something about it, just not even using the full name, but just having it run mm-hmm. off the edge of the screen like that is just so perfectly yeah. obscure. That mm-hmm. That's for the fans. So, and, and I know that Martinez must be somehow conflated with Evil Leapers because mm-hmm. I know behind the scenes, Deborah was asking you very specific questions, Matt. About yes. the parameters of the Eva Leaper project and who can see whose hologram and how does it all work and I can't imagine she was just asking that you know because yeah when 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 Deborah sends you a message saying hey Matt can you can you explain this you just answer without really questioning it too much but yeah there were some questions coming up a few months ago that that make so much more sense now. Uh, you can tell, though, that e- even if he is, quote, an evil leaper, this is, again, a different build, new technology, mm-hmm. new parameters of Quantum Leap, because Martinez can see Addison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell us? That he's in a version of the accelerator from the future? I mean, because they were talking about multiple timelines, multiple realities, right? Like a like a multiverse kind of deal here. Yeah, that, that line really confused me because I know they'd hinted earlier on in the series that, oh, maybe Martinez might be using their imaging chamber at some point in the future. And that's what they seem to be getting at there. But then they said in different timelines. And they've never really explicitly referred to a multiverse before. So that I don't know if they were using timelines just to mean now versus the future. I'd use timelines to mean parallel realities, but I I didn't think that's what the writers were getting at. I, I agree with you, Matt. I think it's just two different time periods. Yeah, because that's that's that would ex- that's really the only way to to explain that they, he's literally in the same imaging chamber and accelerator, mm. which is why he's able yeah. to see Addison. Mm. Right. And I see, I like the idea of multiverse of parallel realities, because to me, it's just, it's, it's a much more expansive concept. It's just much neater science fictionally, but then it becomes very problematic practically. I mean, if if they were in two parallel realities, how would one get to know about the other? Or what was Martinez leaping at some point and came across Ben randomly and so realities collided because of the quantum matrices or something like that now like my my writer hat is on so i'm thinking okay how how do we how do we do this Mm -hmm. what's what's really happening here and i'm I'm sure that they're going to give us some explanation but i would be surprised if it was one timeline having an incursion on another timeline i would be much more inclined to agree with you damon that it's just you know they're from the future which is our future and they're leaping back yeah but we know that Ian eventually leaps back to talk to Ben to to set all this stuff in motion. So, and we also know that Martinez appears to be a little bit older than when we saw him in twenty twenty two, and we know Ian is a little bit older as well. So, is it possible that in the finale we're going to see that Ian and Leaper Ian and Leaper Martinez are both in the same time, and Ian learns about what's going on because they're actually there while it's happening that's what i assumed yeah they're both from like five years in the future mm-hmm. isn't that that was my assumption as well because the martinez in salvation of bust is so much younger 
than the Martinez that we found in, in SOS. Oh, so, so actually, suddenly this isn't the, and, and this is just things clicking into place for me as I'm thinking this through, this isn't then a Ben versus Martinez story throughout this season. This is actually an Ian versus Martinez story, and Ian has used oh. younger Ben as a pawn. Could be. Oh, effectively. Yeah. In a nice way. But he's... It, it, the... I'd prefer to say a knight. <laughs> yes. To to complete his quest. Yes. Yeah. A pawn, a pawn implies that uh, Ben is expendable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a I, I feel like... Um, like I, I feel like he's he's our only hope. Yeah. You know, and that's that's why Ian taps Ben, because only he can do yeah. it, because Addison was supposed to be the hologram. So right. it's gotta be something that only Ben can achieve. Yes. Yeah. Help me, Ben. You are my only hope. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so we had the allusions to the evil leapers, and that was great, but then it sort of led to okay, we have the mole at the project and the big reveal at the end that Dun, 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 dun. Wow. Ziggy <laughs> is the mole. I, 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 before I say anything, Damon, what'd you think of that twist? Uh, there have been, there have been theories around it and, and I do like that twist, uh, as long as it's done right. Cause it's going to probably upset some people. Um, the synopses for these episodes were giving away that, there was going to be a mole. And then, well, for the next episode, they talk about Ziggy's no help. So yes. it's it. that's where you almost like put two and two together. I'm like, if I hadn't read those, I would never have suspected anything. Mm-hmm. But it didn't come as a complete surprise, but I, I didn't really think they were going to go there. I'm intrigued. <laughs> it didn't, for the same reasons, it didn't come as a surprise to me either. But I have to give props to the editing, the music, the direction, and... All of the actors' performances, in particular, obviously Georgina and uh, Ernie, just for making what's basically them saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to make a computer be a mole," which, which on the surface just sounds like a ridiculous idea, but it's <laughs> so well done. It made me jump out of my seat, and that beautiful zoom back through Ziggy, and then Ziggy turning red. It oh man, it that was. Even though I was expecting it, it was so exciting. And yeah, like Damon, I'm a bit concerned about, all right, what's going to happen next week and the week after? How are they going to explain this? They're going to have to have a good explanation. But they've at least just explained how, why for the last 16 episodes we've been complaining about, why is Ziggy so useless? Okay, yes. actually, <laughs> there, there may now be a reason. So we can we can wind back all that and say, all, all is forgiven there. Now they just have to have a good reason why Ziggy may have gone bad, or again, like Martinez is doing things mm. for the right reason that we may not fully appreciate. Yeah, it does make sense that like that's why she hasn't talked either. Like, yes. like that kind of makes now it's now it is falling into place a little bit. And some of the things that Deborah had been alluding to, and I even think in, in when you guys interviewed her. That yeah. talking about uh, technology and we have to be careful about technology. I'm like, I get yes. it now. I get what she's saying. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> see, I'm I'm of two minds with this. I guess I'm fine with it. The first thing I thought was, you're going to have to do a lot of work to convince me that this didn't just get really, really dumb. 
<laughs> and I don't know why. And I think actually now that I do, now that, you know, I've been thinking about it for uh, about 24 hours and had Deborah been allowed to come back and voice Ziggy as a character this season, I think that revelation would have been much more earth shattering because Ziggy would have been an actual character on the show like she was mm. on the original. Mm-hmm. With this, it's just like, here's this silent computer that we didn't really know that they're calling Ziggy this entire season, but Ian is the conduit. And that's great because Mason's great and we love Ian as a character. And some of the strongest stuff this entire season has been thanks to Mason. So I wouldn't change that. But now you're going to make Ziggy evil. And it's just like, well, but Ziggy has basically been a non-entity throughout this entire series so far. But the, the, the so, fact that they've, they've dehumanized Ziggy, hopefully temporarily, let's, let's hope that Deborah can come into it now. I think that just makes the whole thing so much more creepy. And also so extremely this whole revelation and the team can't have known this when they started planning it out it's so incredibly relevant with all the stuff that's been going on in the last couple of months with chat gpt this is you know we ai has taken off so much in the last in the six months since the show started and it's all silent voiceless computers that we are just handing stuff over to to make decisions for us and here is ziggy potentially making decisions i i quite like the lack of voice for that it doesn't mean that she could that ziggy can necessarily be turning evil that it's it's just more of um kind of where martinez is is doing things for the greater good like maybe ziggy has decided that or is deciding how to proceed and maybe sometimes a tougher approach needs to be implemented in order to accomplish yeah. the mission on a leap. She's like, I, I know better than these dumb humans. The only yeah. the only caveat to that, though, is she does turn red at the end, and red is the color of evil. That's so. true. <laughs> yes, that's red true. is evil. And so that's, so that's, I mean, I can see, Damon, I can see your point there, because Ziggy has proven in the appearance, I think it was just the one appearance that we got from her, that she can be completely dispassionate in the sense of, when uh, Sam two. asks, how do I rescue Al? Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm thinking specifically in the one in the leap back. Right. Yeah. Where she's she says, um, stop Clifford from pushing him off the cliff. Well, how do I do that? He's in I'm in I'm in 1999. He's in 1955. And she says, I, I didn't say it would be easy. Yeah. Right. You know, or is it 1945? Whatever. Yeah. It's like so she's completely above it all. Like, yeah, OK, I might die. But oh, well, you know, <laughs> it, that's the way it seemed. And so I can see her being like that, like you're saying, Damon, okay, well, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the, of the few or the one, mm, right? right? It's just that dispassionate logic. But at the same time, okay, we're at a completely different build, a completely different leap, a completely different set of schematics that they're calling Ziggy. We've never heard this supposed Ziggy speak. Mm-hmm. And we're only taking it on faith that they've rebuilt an AI that's a faithful, if somewhat updated, recreation of Sam's work. Haven't heard it speak. Haven't heard that personality right. come through. All of a sudden, at the end, mm-hmm. it turns red. Who's to say <laughs> they didn't unwittingly build Lothos? Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. 
it's almost like some i don't know if it's bad fan fiction or just um i mean i i'm a fan fiction writer All right, well damon damon you gotta back up you gotta back up because the evil leapers themselves were just bad fan fiction but here they are the canon yeah. <laughs> i mean we we've played around with that stuff i i used to write stories too or we, we played around with this stuff all the time and and i mean we 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 came up with some pretty weird ideas so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, to me, that that, uh, that is far too deep a cut. I don't think it's going to go that way because then you really do need 30 years of lore behind you to understand this monumental twist that's going to be happening unless they have one big giant heap and helping of exposition come through in mm -hmm. the last episode to recap, you know, 30 years ago on Quantum Leap. So <laughs> I, I, I don't see that happening, but in my headcanon, this is shaping up more and more to be like an agent provocateur. Uh, so, ooh, they think I'm Ziggy, but I'm evil. That'll be one million leapers. <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, sorry, you just reminded me. I mean, there was that episode of Star Trek Discovery that did, that opened with a previously on that, that flashed back to the cage. There was an episode of Doctor Who that did a previously on that flashed back to the 10th planet from the 60s. It, it's doable in modern TV to do a previously on and then throw all expectations out the window by having very old footage integrated. I, I don't disagree with you, but I would venture to say that the fan bases for both Doctor Who and Star Trek are far <laughs> more versed and rabid than the yes. fan base for the yeah. Quantum Leap re revival. This uh, is true. Nothing this is against true. the revival. Yes. I just think that it's a completely different dynamic. Yes. Um, but would I love it? Oh, a million percent I'd love yeah. it. And I'd be like, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of this remains to be seen. What I love about it is that, once again, I'm finding bridges to the old series that come into the new series, even if it only happens in my head, it's making it a much more cohesive universe for me. And I love that about it. So, I yeah. mean, as much mm -hmm. as I said, convince me it's not dumb, I'm still having the time of my life, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Thames, I, I know we said this earlier, but Thames getting a reference in the new series, that, that I'm just, I'm still so happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, well, I mean, red, red is evil. So yeah. the last time we saw red, the gen and magic were stuck in an elevator. So mm. <laughs> mm. anyway, so yeah, I know we could go all, all day with these, these fan theories. I just, I can't wait to see how they resolve this, if they resolve it and you know, what actually is going on here. Uh, but I, I don't want to you know, get lost in the weeds of this because there's another amazing aspect to this episode yes. that we haven't discussed yet. And such a long time coming. Ben and Addison, man. Holy oh, wow. crap. Yeah. Were Caitlin and Raymond amazing in this? Yeah. Wow. It, <laughs> it, I, um, <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, Caitlin Bassett is fast becoming one of my favorite actresses on TV right now. I, I, that performance was just she knocked it out of the park I have very few words I, I just I can't even I, I've spent several days sort of mentally rocking in a corner after <laughs> after watching that episode and I cannot figure out a way of putting into words just how profoundly fantastic everything she did was uh, just wow yeah I feel that her, her <laughs> best performance so far was mm -hmm. yeah that was powerful <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, but I, I feel like it's it's certainly one of Ray's best performances yes. too. Yeah. And yes, uh, there's a lot a lot of nuance going on here. And again, shock theater, big shoes to fill. But one of the I think touchstones of that episode and why it is such a fan favorite, aside from the gimmicky stuff, is the fact that Sam is so vulnerable in that mm. episode, and you just want to go and rescue him. And Alice is the only lifeline. And you know, Al feels as helpless as we all do. And I feel like they they really did honor to that dynamic of shock theater in this episode that we can't help but compare it to shock theater. Raymond is so wonderfully vulnerable in this episode. He gets more so as it goes on. It didn't feel like they were swiping to me. It felt like sort of a, a very natural stage for these characters to be at now. I think because we've gotten to know them so much over the course of this season. It's been spotty. It was spotty in the beginning, but I think that this is their best turn since that discussion they had in What a Disaster or It's a Disaster when they were in the uh, in the subway tunnel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, don't you know you're the only one that I, I can trust, you know, or something like that. And it, that was a real coming together moment for them. And this one where he's just in the car, wounded, Mm. And she's like, stay awake. Mm. And the tears are rolling down his face. And I was, (laughs) oh my God, it was so good. So I... I, I, I don't want to gush, I, I, but I, sometimes I just can't help it. I, I, I can't not gush. I, it's, that's, that's it. I'm just, I'm there. I didn't even know where that was going. I, like, because it was like, he was so close to death too. And it's just like the way they, they played that off was just like, I, I felt the stakes, like just, yeah. I mean, they, they, they did it so well. You, you really felt like it was just like, he was in real danger. There. Yeah, and it, it was another like like big twist switcheroo in the episode. Like I think we all knew that Martinez was going to somehow like betray him, but mm-hmm. I didn't think that Martinez was going to flat out try to murder him. And when he stabbed them in the neck, it went from because that scene was actually annoying me up until that point because <laughs> she's just you know okay we got to get out of here we got to get out of here but they're lingering at the bottom of the ladder having yes. discussions mm-hmm. and talking about uh, just start climbing the friggin' ladder mm-hmm. already you know the guards are coming up you know and you guys are sitting here like lollygagging <laughs> and when he they finally climbed the ladder I was like oh thank god that TV trope oh my god what the hell just happened yes <laughs> you know so I mean it redeemed itself in that way but that one pulled the rug out from under me completely more than the Ziggy is the mole thing me that mm. was the shocker of the episode mm-hmm. So now I, I don't know that I care, but it it kind of bothered me that he was so wounded. It looked like he was bleeding out. Like he had some kind of arterial thing going on Mm. and he was lying on the floor close to death or close to being unconscious. And then he somehow rallies just by putting his hand on his neck and can actually climb a ladder one handed while he's bleeding out. Mm. I, I think the drama of the situation carried me through it. Where the logic of the situation, I was, I was, I was fighting against it, but it worked. Damn it, it worked. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when they got him in that car, you know, I really thought that he was going to collapse in the parking lot, or whatever. But then they take it further, and then you have the scene in the car, which is just like I think one of the top scenes in the entire freaking series. Yeah. So yeah, oh, yeah. it's going to be hard to top that one. I guess yeah. it's it's a good thing he leapt into the fifties when cars still had cigarette lighters in them. <laughs> and. <laughs> I guess that cigarette lighter was hot wired to the battery somehow because I had cars when I was growing up with cigarette lighters in them. I don't think you could have 
plugged the cigarette lighter in and gotten it hot without the car running somehow. Oh, so yeah. a car, you know, gearheads out there tell me if cars in the fifties had, you know, independent, uh, power sources for their cigarette lighters in case you were parked over, you know, lover's lane <laughs> and you wanted to light a cigarette without wasting gas. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I felt that like cauterizing that wound, like, ouch. Ooh, I felt that. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's not a, that's not a place the original series ever went, because um, exactly. it, it just wouldn't have done. And it, but it's it's not a place that the new series has gone so far. That kind of real, it was. I don't want to say gore. It wasn't gory. It was just. It was. It was raw. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. Yeah. It was very. It was tough. Yeah. And um, yeah. 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 I'll tell you. I mean, the only the only thing that I can think of in the original series that comes close to the visceralness of the thank you, you know, that's a good word this for episode it. yeah I, I, it, it has to be black on white on fire when yeah. everybody mm-hmm. by the end of the episode is just covered in blood yeah yes you that know was a tough episode for me just, to watch yeah 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 mm-hmm. and, and i feel like uh like this this kind of came close in the sense that it's just so you know you just feel it in your gut mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i mean wow so uh thank you caitlin thank you uh yeah. ray yeah, for mm-hmm. you know, such a powerhouse performance in this one, so good, so good. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is, um, which is something I'll bring up in my own uh, review, is uh, no specific leap date was actually given, but apparently it is. Um, there was a deleted scene uh, that was supposed to be Brown v. Board of Education was um, was supposed to be playing on the radio, like uh, the announcement for that. And the mm-hmm. date for that was, I guess, when they made the decision on that. It's like May of 1954. So, and and for the guy that is is working on an updated version of his complete chronology of the Quantum Leap universe, every time we have an episode that doesn't have a specific date, I just die a little bit inside. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been my pet peeve <laughs> on this show is is not giving us specific dates and just it, the years. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter to the drama it doesn't matter to a good proportion of the audience it it matters to those of us that grew up with the date appearing on the screen at the start of every episode yeah and as i say it matters to those of us that are trying to put it in chronological order and and want to know (laughs) oh hang on a second this this secondary character was also from from a season five episode was Mm -hmm. born in 1954 i want to know whether this happened before or after that please yeah right It's it's important. Well, if you do have a cutscene from the script, then I suppose you could put it with an asterisk next to it. Oh, I, I, yeah. please, Chris, you you should read my timeline <laughs> at some point. Um, I I use deleted material for all kinds of uh, logic where it has to be done. So yeah, I I will absolutely take that as being canon in the event that there's nothing contradicting it. <laughs> well, that that being said, I can tell you. That I'm glad that we didn't get a boring old news report because we got a lot of good needle drops in this one. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. just them coming on with Mr. Sandman. Yeah, just reminded me of Back to the Future. Uh, I that, I can't help but think that that was a little deliberate. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We've had a few Back to the Future references uh, this season, so yeah, the latest yeah, so. of many. Just in the past, yeah, we played Shaboom Shaboom. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
which so, I don't and, uh, I don't know that song except for from Clue. So I, I now just have a desperation <laughs> to watch Clue. What life could be a dream, sweetheart? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Hello, hello again, yeah. Shaboom, and I hope and we meet. They used to sing that on Happy Days all the time. Oh, okay. So I grew up hearing that song. Uh, in the seventies, on a show about the fifties. So. <laughs> My wife loves that movie Clue. She like watches it up all the time. Yes. <laughs> and the although not technically a needle drop, I'm just doing a bit of uh, service here for the listeners. Um, if like me, you loved the piece of music they used at the very end, um, it is a a remix of a song called Rapture by an artist called Mallory. The regular version can be found on YouTube very easily. I have not been able to find the remixed version that they used, but it's it's a gorgeous song. It's oh, so when nice. did they play that? It, it's that's the music that comes over the 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 big reveal at the end. You know, there's some you you can hear some mm-hmm. vocals as Janice is talking because it's not it's not incidental music. It's it's used as incidental music, but it's uh it's it's ah. a piece of pop music. Oh, cool. All right. Wow. So well, yeah. Uh, so we got we got the needle drops. We got the evil leapers. We're at the <laughs> end of the episode, and I feel like uh, I, I think that we've we've talked out. Ben interrupted. So um, why don't we go to some final thoughts, Damon? Yeah, final thoughts. I enjoyed the hell out of this episode. Um, <laughs> as I said, the one minor complaint that maybe I would have had is just it feels like they've thrown a lot at us all at once. But I understand we're we're heading towards the finale, so they just have to wrap it up. But I I am thoroughly enjoying it, and I can't wait to see where these last two episodes take us. Cool, 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 Matt. Yeah, I I loved so much of it, and the issues that Damon takes with it, I actually personally um, I, I I get it, and I'm I'm not going to take away from that. But I personally saw them as strengths. It's it's getting towards the end of the the season, so now is the time to kind of have the right here's what you can expect to happen in the next couple of weeks um the big reveals and i i love those kind of moments the not the calm before the storm the storm before the storm um <laughs> in at, at the end of big arc stuff where there's yeah suddenly a lot of stuff is coming to the fore that now needs to get tied up uh, really exciting i i cannot i can't believe we're like what eight nine ten days away from the series finale amazing it's yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy. Uh, yeah, just a barrage of stuff. And I mean that in a good way. So many twists and turns in this episode, but um, genuinely um, enjoyable ones that made it just like a rollicking good time on top of all the great emotional stuff and all the great understated performances in this. They don't even get lost. Like it's so, all the strengths in this are equal. You have great nuance, great drama great twists, great action, great everything about this episode worked. Even the Ziggy stuff, though I have my doubts about it, I'm intrigued. I want to know where all this is going. I'm really happy that this is where we're at. I can't believe, I don't know how they're going to wrap it up in two episodes, but I can't wait to see how they do it. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, I color me on board. I can't wait. I I don't want to wait until next week. I mean, I, I give it to me now. Put it right right in my eye hole. <laughs> Dean, if you're listening, send me <laughs> Send me the wet cut. But uh, yeah, this is um, going to stand out as I think one of the best episodes of uh, the entire first season. Yes. And um, yeah, I, I'm feeling it can only go up from here. So that's how excited I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, I think that puts this discussion of Ben interrupted in the books. And this is the part where I usually say, but stay tuned because after the break, but 
I'm doing away with the break. We're just going to power through. This episode's already late because of a late uh, screener, and um, I don't want to spend any more time than I have to. So instead of taking a break, I invite all of you out there to enjoy our interview with the mean, orderly Lawrence, played by Paul McCarthy Boyington. Matt, you spoke to him, right? Yes. Yeah. This is a this is a really fun interview. I think uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy it. Hey, this is Matt at the Quantum Leap Podcast. Uh, tonight on the show, we have a special guest. We have with us Paul McCarthy Boynton, uh, who plays Lawrence in the latest episode, Ben Interrupted. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Um, so thanks for joining us. Um, I'm, I'm going to let the listeners know because we were talking about this off mic beforehand. Uh, usually... Uh, we run these interviews with full knowledge of the episodes. We've usually got a press screener to hand. Um, I, I'm talking to you not having seen the press screener. For whatever reason, it's not dropped this week. Um, so we're going to run the interview as normal. Uh, we'll have a chat about your past and we'll we'll have a chat about Quantum Leap. Um, but I'm I'm as eager to find out as anyone else uh, what Monday night's episode is going to bring. More fun um, by the time... Absolutely. By the time anyone sees this, uh, you'll all have seen the episode. So I just wanted to explain to the the viewers why I might be looking a little bit confused or I might not ask uh, the obvious questions. So, um, yeah, let's start, as I promised, let's uh, just start by asking a a little bit about your your background, if I can. How did you get into the business? You've done a a lot over the years. Your resume is huge. What's what what got you into acting? It's a little crazy, but um, I, I started off as a, a break dancer actually. <laughs> and uh, okay, that's a new yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in a break dancing crew in San Francisco, and anyways, uh, I started getting into dancing classes. Um, my parents started sending me into that. That led to ballet and jazz and like musical theater theater stuff, and then I kind of got the performing bug that way. And then just started taking classes and then really just fell in love with it. I was always playing sports, though. So I was like, ah, it's kind of fun, you know, performing. But I just, I, I'm going to make it as a baseball player, as a basketball player or something. And, then, uh, you know, I just I, I kept falling more and more in love with acting and performing. And I actually started directing first and making films. And then, um, okay. yeah, it just kind of really, really ignited my uh soul i i i believe in the in high school and like junior junior year and then i, I kind of was like hey when i graduate i'm moving down to la and i'm gonna just give it a shot and i started uh taking classes i was taking classes already but then i really just di- dived into taking uh all types of acting classes and i did did that um it, the you, you mentioned that you started off doing some directing did that bug ever follow you into kind of the professional realm or was that was that just your your gateway drug into acting that was my gateway drug but i I really did think i was going to be more of a filmmaker and uh you know hey who knows if at all uh, uh, that that bug is still kind of yearning but the performing kind of Mm -hmm. overtook that part maybe it's because um i'm a narcissist (laughs) maybe i just like seeing myself you have to be it is yeah Exactly. You have to be a little bit of that. So uh, I guess, but I, I started making my, my uh, stepfather was a uh, experimental filmmaker. And then also my father was a filmmaker okay. and my mom made films too. So I kind of was like surrounded by filmmakers right. and I just love that part of it. And just telling, I, you know, I guess it really comes from just wanting to tell stories and being a storyteller, just being part of it mm. each, any, any way I can. And 
So yeah, the acting uh, part kind of took over because I was doing some commercials here and there. And uh, anyways, I, it kind of took off from there. And just I, I started doing a lot of theater, and that's where I just really started falling in love with it, and kind of got that that bug where you're like, oh, it's like right. I, I surf too, so it's like when you ride that wave. Wow, it is like wow. Yeah. I need more of that. Whatever it is, it, it, I think it happens in sports. It's happened to me in sports where it's that zone, and you're always kind of chasing that zone, yeah. that vibe, you know. So yeah, yeah. So you so you've been you've been chasing that um, for for some years now. Can yeah. you can you talk me through? Because as I say, I've I've checked out your resume on IMDb. You've you've done a whole lot. Can you talk talk me through a few career highlights before we go on to? Yeah, uh, I, I would to... say one of the career highlights was to. Um, being, uh, I did a movie, uh, a sci-fi thriller that was directed by the same people that uh, that did. Um, it's called Altered, and it's the same people that directed and okay. uh, produced uh, the Blair Witch Project. All right, yes, okay. yes, and it was for uh, Universal Studios. This is their second project after the Blair Witch Project, and it was more of a traditional film studio uh, film, and it's it kind of got screwed by the politics of the. Uh, the times at that time, uh, uh, studio mm -hmm. po politics, not, you know, uh, uh, government politics, but yeah. And, uh, but I, you know, there, there's a good amount of people that enjoyed it. And the, 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 I guess why I bring it up, cause it was just an awesome, awesome script and experience filming that it was only six characters. Mm -hmm. It's about these Southern rednecks really essentially that, um, end up, uh, capturing an alien and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's awesome. really, really a character piece. It's not a lot of visual yeah. effects, a lot of hard effects or practical effects. Um, yeah, I see spectral motion did the, uh, the effects uh, the practical effects, which did like Hellboy and Pan's Labyrinth and a bunch of great mm -hmm. movies. But yeah, so it was a lot of, it was just a lot of fun. It was really like a character study that, or I mean, uh, a character piece that happened to have an alien and just kind of that. Nice. So yeah. So that was great. And the director, Eduardo Sanchez, who did Blair Witch Project, phenomenal yep. human and Greg Hale, the producer. And just, it was just like, just such a, it was just a joy coming to work every day. And we were just challenging each other every time, you know, each, each and every day and moment. And it was just a bad, it was just a bad, bad time, meaning the best of times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what a great opportunity to work with those yeah, guys, yeah. and that, that sounds like sounds like quite a dramatic um, piece. Is that the, the sort of role that you usually do? Yeah. Or have you been trying out different different genres? No, I have tried out different genres. I love all genres, and I've been you know lucky to be in some sci-fi stuff. I was also in a film called The Human Race, who was directed by actually a mm -hmm. English director named Paul Huff. His father is a, a well-known mm -hmm. uh, director called John Huff. But um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. So I guess the sci-fi world and I guess some genre stuff, definitely, uh, you know, I, I've been lucky to be a part of those, but I, I'm kind of like all the, the all the genres and I, I've been lucky to yeah. do comedy. I, I've, I, yeah, I, I just actually did, uh, I was just on uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, the, um, an American saga, uh, that which is on Hulu. Mm -hmm. And that's more of a drama piece but i why i mention it is my character's comedy pretty much <laughs> you know right. it's, it, that, that was a blast like i i just love just great characters 
in whatever genre that is, I'm all about it. But it's really about the the, the character and it just being challenged. Yeah. So what can you tell us or what can you tell me about the character of Lawrence? Because everything that I've seen about this episode makes it look like it's pretty dark, pretty heavy. Yeah. I'm guessing no room for comic relief. Yeah, no, not a lot of comic relief in this. <laughs> But Raymond, uh, you know, I, I always think he's he has a funny twist on things. So I'm, I'm sure he'll have his moments where they're they're, they're funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember laughing after a scene or two of what he was doing. So, but on that on that note, yeah, this is pretty hardcore. It takes place in a uh, in a sane asylum. I would say it does mm-hmm. in the early fifties, nineteen fifty two, I believe. And it's outside of Boston, so it kind of is like a mm-hmm. Shutter Island-ish or One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest kind of scenario. And I kind of play the um, the heavy of the um, the institute, not the heavy like physical, yeah. but more like the the person that puts people online. And I'm kind of running, you know, got the, the discipline. Mm-hmm. I'm putting the discipline in. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. So. Talk me through that um, that initial kind of uh, audition process and the amount of time, if any, you had to prep before going in and suddenly finding yourself in 1952. How was that whole experience? Yeah, well, this one happened pretty fast because it was right around uh, New Year's when they were casting mm-hmm. this. So I think like, yeah, I either auditioned for like New Year's Eve or like the day after New Year's. I don't know if it was... And uh, anyways, I just kind of like, yeah, put on the gowns. I, I, I Luckily, I had some scrubs and uh, just mm-hmm. w- went for it. It was, it, it, I love the material and I kind of just kind of went a little psycho on it on the audition. And, uh, and nice. to me anyways. And um, yeah, and then they called me, they called me back and it was a fast process. Like, hey, you're doing this and we want you. And um, kind of preparing uh, for that, I, I uh you know, read read a bunch of stuff of that time period, and then also watched some stuff and kind okay. of just got into that mindset. Yeah, and the best, you know, this TV awesome. goes so fast. You're just like, okay, let's yeah, f- film. You get a little more time uh, to to digest and whatever, but you're just like, okay, I'm grabbing onto something and let's go for it. Yeah, nice. Uh, how long how long was the filming process for you because i know it's usually an eight day shoot were you there for every day i, I believe or, i was there for uh just four the... days four or five yeah yeah four days yeah so it was a lot of fun uh, and during that time did you did you get to interact with many of the other cast whether ray or the the guest cast yeah i mostly work with ray but i i definitely um um caitlin right yeah caitlin that plays addison Got to work with uh, her, so I got to interact with her a lot, uh, a good amount. Um, and then the rest of uh, the the guest stars in this episode, I would say it was pretty much all, uh, you know, I think two or three other actors. Oh, and uh, Mar- the, the Martinez. Martinez, um, I believe, uh, Wal- Walter Perez, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a cool dude. Yeah, everybody was so nice. And uh, like I said, I mean, I got to really work mostly with Raymond, and he's just a gentleman of a human yeah he was he was great yeah everyone says yeah, he's that just seems like such so a nice guy easy, you know just nothing nothing phases him yeah. yeah um 
I didn't realize he got to work with Walter, and I've got to ask because Walter's one of the few people that we've not been able to track down for an interview. Oh, okay. So um, maybe I can just live vicariously through you for a minute and ask what what was it like interacting with him? What what was uh, yeah? What, what can you tell he's, us about he's that? He's another another uh, great dude. Um, he uh, he actually moved to El Paso during the um, during the pandemic, so we kind of talked about that. He, he he grew up in L.A. and him and his wife uh, moved out there just to get more space and. You know, uh, and and he kind of, he loves it. He kind of like I have own it. Yeah, I thought I was moving to like maybe Austin or San Antonio or something. We ended up in El Paso. I'm kind of like this is a you know a groovy little place, and uh, I think he just loves the space and the quiet and and you know the, mm. the 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 craziness of LA. He uh, he uh, doesn't. I I don't think I I don't want to speak for him, but it, it seemed like he doesn't miss as much. But he comes out all the time, anyways just a, like a really, really solid dude that was just all about the work. But also in that oh, same, good. you know, way that Raymond is, it's just kind of like, hey, let's just play and uh, let's have fun and let's not go to, you know, let's, let's, it's not a life and death situation. Let's just do our, the, the best we can and yeah. let's challenge each other. That That fun aspect really interests me because, as I say, from – what I've seen from the trailer and from the publicity photos, it does seem like such a heavy episode. Yeah. Um, was that something that you felt, was there an atmosphere on set that was trying to combat that a little bit? Yes, just to try yes, and yes. offset the edge for the performance? Yes, because I think it's just, like you said, it's such a heavy episode. Just that, that you know, the asylum is just such a crazy time period. And I know there are still, you know, I don't know enough, but I, I know there's current institutions that are similar to that, not as severe as they were in the fifties, mm. but it's just a, it's a tough experience because all the, the background actors were great too. And they were just going for it and people were screaming and going nuts. So it just gives you, it makes you cringe, you know? And uh, so that really gives you the vibe of it. So it's intense. So I think after in between takes, we would just do our best to kind of just have fun and relax and, kind of you know see the the, the humor in it. yeah you yeah. know there's like a kind of a frankenstein yeah. kind of ordeal too in one of these scenes uh, i i mean the, the 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 set the set the sets were unbelievable the art direction is just so beautiful and just amazing and the, I, I, the detail was incredible yeah, yeah. so yeah no it was a it was a great time to that i hope i answered your question right there yeah, you did, and and more. Um, so, yeah, are there any are there any scenes? Again, this is me asking, not having right. seen the episode, so I'm talking quite broadly here. But are there any scenes that particularly challenged you as an actor? That's um, yes, for someone that had seen the episode, you'd, you'd want to talk through a little bit in more yes, detail yes, yes. in terms of your um, approach. Well, I got to say, also, I haven't talked about the director. I just wanted to. It's it's directed by a phenomenal director, yeah. uh, Jude Wing. And I believe this is her first okay. episode of doing Quantum Leap, but she, it is, yeah, oh, yeah, she was, she had just unbelievable, um, you know, just a, a control of the set, not meaning in like a dictator way, just like she was like a, a mm. samurai with like how she ran the set, you know, it, it was a, it was a beautiful experience on that, and it was really all about because she comes from. Out of, out of the theater, and we're actually from the same well, – she's from San Francisco too, so that was a cool little uh, side note that we talked about. But anyways, um, what we're uh, – I'm going off track, but bringing it back to uh, – what was the question again? Ah! 
Uh, just a- any any scenes that you had that had challenged oh, yeah. you or that were particularly yeah. interesting. Well, you, going back yeah. to her, she she uh, was very cha- she would challenge you as an actor, which I love, you know. And uh, yeah, the challenging part, I think. Uh, well, there was a couple, but I, I, I remember I had this intense uh, monologue. It's pretty, you know. I think it's like a full page, and it's kind of uh, I'm talking about the the head doctor. Him and I are kind of in cahoots. You know, and I almost, it's almost just like I look up to him or, you know, it's like this love affair almost like this, my admiration and, um, and I'm talking about him and it's just this long saying I'm Raymond's in a wheelchair. I guess I'm not blowing anything. Cause yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm in that in between where I'm like, I'm not, am I supposed to tell, talk about it? Since yeah, guys, I haven't seen him, but anyways, yeah. So, um, Everyone else will have done by the time they see this. It's only me. I don't mind being yeah. spoiled. Raymond's in a wheelchair. Yeah, he's in a wheelchair, and we're talking. You know, and he's kind of asking me questions about this asylum that he's, you know, I'm kind of introducing him to. And it, it was just challenging on the uh, on the timing of. There's so much going on, if that makes sense, because it is an insane asylum. You know, you're reacting to all this stuff, but just staying on track and just trying to communicate about this almost you know, this, this doctor and also the, the, the place and communicating that to Raymond, but also holding on to that character, the, the, the character of my, my, my character has, you know, a deep, deep past. Let's put yeah, they were, they were in the war together, him and the doctor. So, yeah. So yeah, I guess that, that makes sense. But the challenging part was just the timing of all that and getting it, you know, physically doing it and, and just the array of things happening and getting down to the guts of the performance. I guess that's what I really wanted to communicate. Yeah. So that, that past that you had with the doctor was, was that um, with the head doctor, was that something that you had the opportunity to work on with the actor that was, that was playing? No, him? Was that something you built together? No, unfortunately not. Um, uh, because he was, we, we, we did get to work together, but he was, uh, mm. you know, kind of just, um, scheduling really played part of that but it, okay. we did it as much yeah. as we could you know in between takes and yeah. stuff so that's 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 another that's also a challenge where you're like you know you usually you want to build that relationship but we, we we did do it in our own way if that makes sense yeah yeah it makes perfect sense it, just, it always amazes me how with the speed that network shows turn around mm-hmm. how actors can build these relationships on screen that look completely lived yeah. in and like there's, there's something that's been happening for years. I, so I, yeah, I like to ask those questions cause I'm just interested in, in how you manage to just. No, yeah. And that was a big challenge, big challenge, but that, that that's kind of the fun of it. And yeah. you just kind of like got to go accept it. And you, and you, and you just, you, you fall into that part where you're like, Hey, well, we're connecting and I have a built past in my, in my, yeah. in my head or, you yeah. know, yeah. And you go into belief. So yeah. The more you're talking about this, the more excited I am to see the episode, which is such an unusual experience for me doing these. Um, can I just ask, this is actually, this is going back to the start uh, a little bit um, in terms of the audition process. Have you been, have you been following the new series? Were you aware of what you were getting into when you, when you took the role? Yeah. Well, a, a little bit. I knew it was out and I had, mm. I had seen some promos, but then when I, when I started, when I found out the audition, I started watching it and I, I, I thought it was, I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I love the 
the quantum leap from the nineties. I'm like, yes, they're bringing this back. You know, and I heard it. Yes. And uh, I'm just nostalgic about that. And that was just like a great show. And uh, I was so happy that they're, they're this reboot that I, I think is uh, pretty uh, awesome. And I was just happy to be part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just like happy to be reading for it. I'm like, this is so awesome. And then to actually be a part of it, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are very happy that it's back. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for you that you're a part yeah. of it. I, I, have you been following along? Uh, you said you, you kind of caught up a little bit with the, the series. Have you been following along with the Martinez storyline? Did that mean anything to you when there's this? Because I gather he's a bit of a bigger part in this episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's he, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I guess I can tell you, he actually takes over me. If that, yeah, he, oh, okay. he, he leaps right. into me, yeah. And so that's there. There's a lot of friction in between um, those to him and Ray, Raymond's character. Interesting. So, okay. Um, oh, I've got a couple of quick questions for you then. Um, so, uh, just in terms, in terms, in terms of your work with Walter, then um, did did you do any work with him in in terms of like characterization? And I'm assuming you might have done a mirror shot with him yes, and things yes, like yes, that. Yes, so that yes. he, you were playing his reflection. Yeah. Did did you have to do a lot of that kind of physical prep with him? Yes, I guess, yes, so. yes to get yeah. that together what was that like it's fun i mean it's like you know I, I feel like he had a little bit of a breakdancing skills in him too <laughs> you know i i feel like it came very natural and like there was like just a a body we we talked briefly about it but you know i i think just kind of uh we were in cahoots you know you kind of figure out okay this is what's going on okay let's do it and hey nobody said that sucked or nobody said, you know, they're just like, Oh, that's great. Let's keep, let's do another one or whatever. But yeah, we talked about it yeah. and, uh, you know, we didn't want to go too heady on it, I guess. We, unless we were yeah. screwing up, of course, or, but yeah. yeah, of course. Did, did you have, um, once Martinez had leapt into your character, did you have much to do playing Martinez in some way, whether it was as a mirror or as a point of view shot or anything like that, were, did you effectively have to play a second character? Yeah, no, I mean, more just on a, like a reflection or a couple uh, things. But yeah, yeah, more I would say he pretty much takes over my role. Yeah. yeah. So but that's, I mean, it, okay. that's so cool about Quantum Leap that it does that too, right? It's like, ah. Yes. Yeah, very unique in that regard. And um, yeah. What a what an, what a cool opportunity to play! Um, before we move to um, sort of talking about things you've got coming up in the future, is there anything? Really broad question right. here, but I've I've got to ask because I'm I'm running a bit blind here. Is there anything that I've not touched on that um, that that's interesting about your experience on the show? Anything you want to share with the leapers? That well, I did. I, did. I, I might have. Well, I don't know. Missed. Maybe it's just a. I, um, I've, um, I guess what I would talk about is, uh, well, this didn't get to happen, but I was hoping I had worked with Ernie Hudson in the past. We did a Western, we did a Western mm. together, class act of a human too. Uh, great guy. Yeah. I mean, just unbelievable. And I, I was so hoping to work with him, but he, his days were different than mine. I was like, ah, yeah. so uh, Ernie yeah. Hudson would have been a, you know, uh, that was a little, tidbit for me that or something that i was excited that didn't happen 
but watching it, I just, I love Ernie Hudson. And then also going back, another little uh, connection here is uh, from the first, from the pilot. I believe it was that second episode, but I believe it's a pilot because that's to, to be continued, right? In the in the in the the nineties version of Quantum Leap, oh yes, there's yeah. uh, the guy that plays um, Scott Bakula's uh, father, um, Noel uh, Alexander. I've worked, I've worked with yes. him, yeah, like two or, two oh, or three nice. times. Yeah, no, I, I three, oh, three projects. Yeah, and we, yeah, he, we yeah. did a western together actually too. Anyways, he's he's another great human being, and just the and the biggest heart. Him and his wife, they're both great performers and, and to watch that because i was re-watching you know the original episodes and i was like ah what a great and i love that scene you know the father's son on the phone and it's like ah oh, it's heartbreaking it's it's such a beautiful moment and um yeah they both play it so well and then somewhere along the line when i, I don't know if you remember it one of the later episodes sam leaps back into his young self and they decide instead of getting that guy back they get Scott Bakula in heavy makeup to play his own yeah. father. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. It, it, it was okay. a choice. It was a choice. Let's let's just say that. It was it was a decision they made. But um but yeah. Oh no, that's, that's that's amazing to hear you work with him and, and so good to hear that he's a nice guy. We've yeah. uh, we've we've never spoken to him oh, on the show. Yeah, so, he's a gem of a human. So yeah, I hope you get it get to talk to him. And and also uh I'm sure you've talked to probably Ernie, right? Yes. Yeah, we spoke to him quite early on in the series, so he didn't he didn't have too much yeah. he could say, but we had we had a lovely half hour with him and yeah, he came across as so so yeah. genuine. Um, just, yeah, there's a, a lot of very nice people involved yeah. in Quantum Leap. I think it's just like everybody's so you know, they're having such a good time. I mean, it's just yeah. such a yeah, it's such a, it's a great show. It's a it's a awesome world that they've created. And then who doesn't? I mean, I, I'm so jealous. Ray, Raymond gets to go into all these different time periods. I'm like, I'm like right? you're so lucky. You're gonna go be a cowboy. You're gonna go into the future. You're gonna go. Oh my god! It's like an actor's dream. Yeah. Um, th- this has been this has been fantastic. I'm I'm quite amazed at how much has come out, considering that yeah, the the, the lack of balance here with, with what I know versus versus what you know, but um. Perhaps before we completely wrap up, uh, you could let the the leapers, the the viewers, and the listeners know where else they can find you. If you've got any other projects on the go that uh, we can look out for you in. Yes, the year. Uh, well, I just I guess I mentioned it earlier. As I uh, a few days ago, I was just on uh, the Wu Tang um, Clan, um, the yeah. musical group, and American Saga, which is on Hulu. It's on the third season right now. Hulu. Yeah, yeah. I play a uh, old dirty bastards uh, manager. <laughs> Nice. Not quite a wild character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. And then I have a, a movie that's called Border Lord. It's actually a, it's a short, but it's a modern um, Western that we, we shot in New Mexico. And that will be coming out soon. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I have a, I have a movie, that, a, a sci-fi movie called Renko that was shot in Spain with uh, mm-hmm. Javier Bardem's brother, uh, Carlos Bardem. Yeah, I play a bounty mm-hmm. hunter. He plays a guy tracking me down <laughs> also bounty on and and i'm hoping that, that that's supposed awesome. to come out at sometime this year too yeah so that's called Ranko. so yeah that's uh that's pretty much what you're I, busy then yeah luckily okay yeah. yeah you know so that's going pretty well yeah and and it's a and what's fun for me is it's an array of characters and mm. you know, 
it's uh, that, that, that's that's lucky i feel super fortunate on that it's just you, it, very yeah. challenging in the in the best of ways and uh, and it goes against you know luckily i don't get caught in the box and they with these roles yeah, yeah so a lot of fun well Paul, it has been a lot of fun uh, talking to you. Yeah. So thank you for sharing uh, everything you've been able to share. Um, we know now where to keep an eye out for you over the next uh, next few months or yes. so. And um, yeah, thank you so much for your time well, today, uh, talking to talking to me. And yeah, to hey, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you for interviewing me. And uh, this is awesome that you're doing this. And uh, what a what a beautiful show to you know have this podcast about. I really appreciate uh, you interviewing me. Slow clap, Matt. Slow clap. <laughs> you, you know I, mean, I can't what? believe you spoke to him without having seen the interview. It's a first for us. I know. And, I mean, and seeing the episode, I should say, right? He he was he was so kind about it, and he was so worried about spoiling me. Like we had a good chat off mic beforehand. He was like, Are "You sure I can tell you this stuff?" I'm like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Just 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 let me know what you need to let me know. He still surprised me with some stuff during the interview, as he heard. Um, yeah. But I, I really liked he, you know, he, he kept calling out people like um, Ernie Hudson, Newell Alexander, Walter Perez and saying like, these are really like stand up guys, really, really great people to be around. Paul, you're a great person to be around. He was just one of those really nice guys. And he and all he did was keep calling out other people that he thought were nice. So he nothing like Lawrence at all. Uh, well, thank goodness <laughs> for that. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a very different interview. <laughs> Let's all of us strive to be nothing like Lawrence at all. And thank you, Paul, for being on the show. We really appreciate you uh, talking to us and talking to the fans. And uh, another great interview in the books for the Quantum Leap podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, that's not the only thing we have to celebrate around here. We also got some feedback. So I'd like to do this in our usual round robin style. This is an email from a listener named Philip Marson. And he wrote this. After listening to our episode covering SOS, I will begin. Hi, all. I loved this episode of the series and the podcast. The discussion was refreshing, and the interview with Brandon Routh was enlightening. You always ask such great questions, and it's heartening to know that people I care about on screen are also respectful and kind off screen. I really appreciated the more positive tone of everything this week. I certainly respect the various opinions on the new version of QL, but it was more fun listening to this episode compared to some of the previous ones, given the more optimistic atmosphere. The last few weeks I felt somewhat frustrated and down after listening to the podcast recaps. This week I felt really happy and upbeat after listening to the various points of view, along with the positive feedback and constructive criticism. I love the original QL and the new series despite their differences. I watched the original show with my parents when I was 10, and they were in their 40s and 50s. I'm now in my 40s and watching the new series with my parents, who are in their 70s and 80s, along with my young children. Sometimes I just sit back and enjoy the miracle that that is. That's a miracle indeed. Anyway, uh, Phil finishes up by saying, I feel that same magic today that I felt back then, and I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to experience new QL with my family. That is priceless. You are appointment listening for me the day after a new episode airs. I'm so happy we have a second season, and I hope more beyond that. Thanks for everything, Phil. So... Isn't that just something else? Like quantum yeah. is truly a legacy at this point. That was beautiful. Like, I, yeah. yeah, that that message about yeah, the, the intergenerational watching. That's it's nice. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And it reminds me of, yeah, what, what Deborah was talking to us about, you know, like we need quantum leap now more than ever. And she was talking about how, when she was showing uh, color truth school children that, you know, they needed to relearn all of the lessons again. So it's, it's nice that now he's with his children and they can Mm. pass, pass that on. It's, it's just so wonderful. Thank you so much, Phil, for sharing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it hits us all right in the feels. So if you would like to be like Phil and tell us what you think about Quantum Leap or the podcast or anything Leap related, there are many ways that you can reach us here. You can drop us a letter at P.O. Box 542, Bayport, New York, 11705. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can also hit us up on Instagram at quantumleappodcast or Twitter at quantumleappod. And you can watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash thequantumleappodcast. And for those of you who want to go the extra mile, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. Just remember that we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And do we have an after show to plug this week? I know we're a little bit off on our timing, but uh, we do have other video interviews that you guys can all see on YouTube. Matt, you were handling all that, right? Yeah, so we've got, um, and th- this is all a little bit uh, back to front because of the um, because of the screener stuff we mentioned earlier on. As we record this, we're planning on interviewing Armando McLean tomorrow. Uh, so hopefully, in the next day or two, uh, he he played Burly Nurse. Hopefully, in the next day or two, that'll be on our YouTube channel. And um, there's, uh, I don't want to mention names in case they don't come off, but there's a couple of others that um, we're in discussion with at the moment. So. They should drop over the next few days or so, and I, yeah, I think Albie is still hoping to do an after show to wrap around all of that as well. And we also have the video interview with Paul that uh, mm. that is already up. We've yeah. released that already, so you can see that right away if you want to watch that and uh, see Matt Dale's uh, pretty smiling face. Aww. So. Oh, and uh, speaking of Matt Dale's pretty smiling face, I'd, I'd like you to use that face to tell us uh, what's coming up next. Well, next episode is The Friendly Skies. When Ben leaps aboard a 1970s passenger jet as a flight attendant, he must outwit its hijackers before it mysteriously crashes into the Atlantic. And worse, he has to do it all without Ziggy's help. Because <laughs> you evil. Lothos. <laughs> <laughs> This flight goes down in the Atlantic tonight. Everyone's going to die. I have a job to do. You cannot do this alone. You're almost home. I'm working on it. Again, I didn't know what I was expecting from this episode. I didn't think it was going to be uh, like hijackers. I thought it was going to be sort of more of a comedy episode where Ben was a put upon stewardess trying to deal with like sexism in the Mad Men 60s. Yeah. That was my take on it. Yeah, same. This... They're really ratcheting up the stakes here, huh? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be an exciting one building up to the finale. Yeah, so let's hope. So, so Damon, before we wrap up for good, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, guest hosting with us on the show. Uh, can you tell the, the fans a little bit about, again, where they can find you online? My YouTube channel is at Damon Sigamelli 176 I am pretty much on Facebook at Sugi 176 I don't really do Twitter. Um, I do, but not really. 
and that that's that's pretty much it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm sure that you're going to be doing a review, a wrap up of Friendly Skies. So um, mm-hmm. after you guys listen to our episode about that, go and check out Damon's channel for his wrap up. And uh, yeah, it should be a good time. So I'm looking forward to speaking about it with you, Matt, and our next guest hosts. But until then, I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Matt Dale. And I've been Damon Sugamelli. And we'll see you next time in the Mile High Club. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Harold Sullivan, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a barren space production. That was the sloppiest throw to I've ever done. You can tell I'm tired. You did fine. I did shit. Okay, so... It's Ziggy. What?